Welcome to Thrive, your agency resource. Today we're talking about pivoting toward market opportunity. We might want to call it pivoting toward humanity in a way. Um, I have my friend David Title here. He's a chief engagement officer at Bravo Media, an experiential agency in New York City. They have found a ton of success in staying nimble. There's probably no other way to put it. So David, I'm really excited to finally have you on the show. I know we've been talking about it for a while. Yeah, it's great to be here, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Of course. So um, let's just jump right into it. Uh, maybe start out by talking about how what Bravo Media originated as and then what the evolution of the service offerings and, and all of that has been over the course of the time that you've been a partner. Sure. So it's definitely been, I guess, a, a non-traditional path, at least in terms of when you think about agencies and how they come about and we really came from the production side of the of the street, and the entire operation grew up around a single soundstage in Midtown Manhattan, a very small little green screen stage that uh, at the time in the early 2000s was sort of too small for film, not doing great. The two original founding partners took over the space, cleaned it up, and uh, when I started hanging out there uh, starting around 2007 and 2006, uh, we had gotten the place up and running and there'd been this sort of amazing technology evolution that had happened where we'd gone from a place where almost all kind of commercial media was still being produced on film and it was mostly destined for television. Uh, and all of a sudden we got to a place where digital video was a legitimate format that looked great. And then YouTube and streaming video happens in December of 05. And all of a sudden, you have this mass democratization of one of the most powerful marketing tools in the world. Right. And we happen to be nicely positioned to service this brand new marketplace of essentially small to medium-sized businesses that had not traditionally been able to use the power of video and animation as part of their sales and marketing collateral because it was just too expensive to right. make, to distribute. And the traditional commercial production companies and commercial agencies weren't looking to get into the $10,000 homepage video business. We didn't know that was a business. Uh, but we saw an opportunity to uh, build out a kind of all-in-one facility to help produce this explainer videos and, and uh, thought leadership material and homepage videos and YouTube channel build outs, all these brand new content formats that hadn't existed 12 months before. Right. Uh, and again, we thought of it really going into it as a production job. We make these things. We have our animators and we have our shooters and we have our editors. And, and but what we realized through that process is we were also helping to develop all that creative because we were working direct with those clients there was no creative agency partner. No middlemen. Nothing. Nope. Um, and so we were helping to develop both the creative side of that to whatever degree the client needed it, mm -hmm. but we were also physically producing it, editing it, delivering it, distributing it in many cases. Um, and that really gave us an interesting perspective on that emerging business area and got us thinking a lot about, you know, what is the nature of this content and what's its purpose and how does it work and how does it affect people and how do we make it more effective because that means more people will come and want to buy it from us. Right. Uh, and Makes so sense. That, it, it seemed to make it made perfect sense and, and we also were able to build a, a, a sort of a production pipeline 
you know, we uh, immediately when we I'd come from a very traditional uh, large commercial production company called Crossroads Films and 89 editorial. And we had Avid Suites and Flame Systems and, you know, all this really expensive stuff and these very expensive people that did those things. And at, at Bravo, we were like, you know what? There's Final Cut. There's After Effects. There's top rated off the shelf max. We can literally set up a production studio for a few thousand dollars. Right. And we are able to really tap into this emerging workforce of younger creative uh, folks that, you know, our lead animator when we first started out learned After Effects by using a cracked copy that had gotten from the Pirate Bay starting when he was in seventh grade. <laughs> you know, you're never going to get a flame artist that learned that way. Um, and so we've always been this sort of bottom up, uh, use what's available kind of thing to get the job done. And at the same time, figure out how to make it good. And right. so, uh, and there weren't, a, what was cool about doing it in that space is there was no one telling you it was wrong because no one had done it before. Right. You can't tell me my homepage video is wrong. You've never made one before. Right. Um, so that was like 2006, 2007. And right. then through that, and, and because of the nature, as we all know in this world, pharma and financial services tend to have budgets. And they liked what we were doing because we were, helping them look and feel cool in a way that, you know, the big agencies were helping in Adidas or Coca-Cola feel cool. And so we got to get involved in their conferences and trade shows. And that's really, that was our big, sort of our first big evolution. And that's what brought us into what now I think of as the beginning of us entering into experiential, Mm -hmm. Uh, which again is one of those terms I think may go away. Experiential marketing reminds me of new media or in digital the, marketing. Yeah, it's like I think it maybe it's all just marketing. Yeah. Uh, or some other word that no one's using. <laughs> yeah. Uh but you know, we started doing uh things like projection mapping and uh large form just large format animations and graphics and then also seeing a desire for more interactive experiences especially on the trade show side got us to bring in our first full-time developers uh so that we could start building that stuff in-house. It, it never occurred to us just to come up with ideas. We were always like, well, we have to know how to make it. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think we've always been a, 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 a good combination of, of proactive in terms of, hey, this is a cool thing, let's try to do it, and reactive in terms of seeing what our clients are interested in and, and trying to understand how to provide that and then how do we get ahead of that to some degree. Right. right. And so... We were doing these really cool things uh, for really uncool uh, places. So, like, I'll never forget my my uh, five days at Digestive Disease Week in, in Chicago, Illinois. Um, but you can learn so much about experiential walking around a pharma trade show yeah. and see all the missed opportunity. Because, uh, you know, we'd like to think of all these specialized audiences. They're all just people. Right. Like those doctors are just people. They're just like you and me. They just happen to do some very gross things that I'll never unsee <laughs> on that trade show floor. But, um, you know, how do you make engagement there? How do you make it interesting? How do you make it compelling? Uh, and uh, and again, it was a great environment because nobody there was going to tell us we were wrong. Right. Uh, nobody was telling them to do anything but keep putting up posters. And And so... Through that, we really got a lot of on-the-ground experience in some very difficult environments with some very uncool products and messages uh, that we had to make fun and engaging and, and dynamic. 
Um, so that when we finally started uh, beginning to meet a few people on the traditional agency side, which was really our only way to get entree into consumer brands, um, especially you know five, six years ago, very few brands were looking outside of their agencies for a whole lot of consumer facing anything. Right, right. And that's softening for sure now. Right. Um, but uh, they started to come to us because this this bubbling up of what is exper- this experiential thing that everyone sort of wanted, but agencies have been making commercials for 50 years. Right. Um, and they're great at it, but that's very different than creating an experience, whatever that is, an activation. Right. Um, and if your activation isn't just handing out product, um, you know, what is it? And so we began to take what we were learning in that sort of, uh, weird offshoot world of trade shows and conferences and begin to apply that to more consumer facing and that, you know, let us play in some, uh, you know, play in some bigger arenas and, and, and begin to, uh, one, for us, it was an education around kind of the agency side. Nobody at Bravo has spent a day working for a major agency. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. Oh, agency. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we come from a sort of diverse group of backgrounds, uh, whether it was theater or uh, print, traditional print production, uh, uh, the art world. Um, and your background is in video production. Well, uh, uh, virtually my, my formal degrees are all in theater. Oh, okay. In directing. Uh, that's where, that was my prior life. That uh, doesn't surprise me. No, it, it fits in there somehow. <laughs> uh, you know, and that was always, directing is that combination of, of thinking and, and making. So yeah. it does all mesh together. Yeah. Uh, so my, um, my question is, is always going to be, um, somehow I'm going to get positioning into the conversation, yeah. as you know, Let's do it. uh, you know me. Um, so your positioning statement for a while now has been, and, and you say this straight up on your, your website, right on the, the hero image is we make wow, Yep. which to me is it's a memory maker. It's definitely something that has stuck and, and it is very true, but it's not really a positioning statement. So my question is, as Bravo has evolved and, you know, you are seeing these different market opportunities and you're being nimble and you're following and it's all working. How has that led to this, you know, sort of what you call like a primary challenge, maybe one of your only challenges at Bravo, which is the positioning statement, you know, or the the positioning itself. I mean, a lot of people have said to you, why haven't you just chosen one vertical? Why don't you just, you're great at projection mapping. You did, you know, um, the Sistine Chapel for Stephen Colbert, like, why don't you just do that? Because you're great at that. And and what is your response typically? Well, for us, you know, like projection mapping was just another means to an end. We, you know, because we started really around content and, and video and animation. So we're like, well, now we need to make this bigger. What are things that make this bigger? Oh, projection. Um, so let's learn how to do that so that we can make it bigger. And, oh, people want things to be able to play with them. Oh, we have to make them interactive. Let's, let's learn how to do that mm-hmm. uh, and, and make that part of it. Uh, you know, we've always, we've, we've always struggled, one, with defining ourselves as a production company yeah. or an agency. Uh, we know we're not a consultancy. That much no. we're really clear on. Yeah. Uh, uh, just because we're, if we're not doing, uh, if we're not making then it feels sort of, you know, like spinning my wheels. Yeah. 
Uh, it doesn't mean we won't help ideate and, and conceptualize and do all that kind of creative thinking, but we like there to be a, a real point to it. Mm -hmm. uh, we like to be engaged in that part of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, where we, I think our biggest positioning challenge is that that production versus creative. And I don't know, it seems, a, to me, it seems like an unnatural split that you would have those happening in completely separate functionary worlds. Yeah. Um, because why you do something and how you do something are so intrinsically connected um, that, you know, so internally in our minds, we don't have a positioning problem. Public facing, we <laughs> it's everybody else's problem. problem. <laughs> um, in my mind, it makes perfect sense. But then when you try to say the sentence, even alone in the shower, it's just garbage. <laughs> um, so, uh, and it is, it's, it, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but we do, you know, our latest sort of evolution into the world of what we're considering kind of long-term display mm -hmm. uh, and creating experiences that are going to exist for months or years. Whether, whether they're that, interactive or not, doesn't matter. Whether it's just interactive or responsive okay. mm -hmm. or just a living, breathing part of the environment in some way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's been this whole new world for us where we're bringing this service uh, that one, kind of like we were doing back in 06, 07, the service nobody wanted or needed a couple of years ago right. or thought about. But now they uh, see it and they want it. And, and, and there's this growing, you know, uh, you know, just in like the corporate office world and the corporate lobby world, there's this incredible competition going on uh, that's driven by ego, which is not a bad thing when it comes to uh, you know, getting people excited to do stuff. Yeah. Um, but people want their offices to be an experience. They want their lobbies to be an experience. And that's a brand new thing. But there's this whole world of businesses and services, AV integrators and building operations managers and architects and designers that we've never worked with before right. uh, that now we're coming into that world. And like, so who are you and what's your place in this? And like, huh, we're going to have to get back to you on exactly how we're doing that but um let me find out what you do okay we don't step on your toes i can tell you that we're not going to supply hardware um you know uh we're not architects so okay we can do it by elimination a little bit right um but it's a new this is our new positioning challenge right right so it's really navigating um who you're partnering with you know that ultimately the service or the the product i guess is a better word for you guys yep. the product is something that they never knew that they wanted before now they want it and they actually believe that they need it so it's like plugging that in it's it's yeah. just really interesting because so much of what you're saying you know honestly goes against like the the facet or the, the foundation of positioning so it's it's a fascinating conversation to me because it it shows me that there are you know many different sides to this and many different ways to find success whatever you measure success as um, and that kind of brings me to what we talked about a little earlier, which is, you know, Bravo Media, you know, it's it's a private self-funded firm, right? Yep. Um, what are sort of the pros and cons from that standpoint when it comes to being this nimble and f sort of pivoting toward market opportunity? Uh, well, I, you know, obviously, you know, because we do self-finance the whole thing, I don't have uh, an extra, you know, sort of side pot of money to, uh, to try to ramp something up super fast. Uh, you know, 
uh, as these opportunities are popping up more and more in, in the sort of long-term display, uh, would I like to unleash a 20-person sales force onto the world? Uh, maybe. Uh, that might be interesting. You know, the, the ability to sort of do these kind of rapid scalings around some of these opportunities uh, is more challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, uh, not having to be beholden to outside investors, uh, not having to carry debt, uh, means that we can make our own decisions without any feeling of either, uh, you know, creating conflict uh, or creating disappointments. Um, and uh, that has really helped us, I think, grow, uh, but it also makes us really fiscally responsible. We keep a very low, we keep way fewer people. I mean, one of the number one things people often will say when they visit the studio after they get done looking and saying how cool everything looks, which it does, um, <laughs> it's like, is this everybody? Like. Yeah, pretty much. This is it. Like, you make all of this with just these people? Like, yeah. Uh, you know, we say completely seriously, we've been receptionist free since 2004. <laughs> uh, because anybody, you know, somebody comes off the elevator, say hello and ask them what they want. Right. Uh, right. You don't necessarily, I understand you get to a certain size and scope and you need someone there to crowd control, but we don't, you know, I'm not uh, Disney World here. Uh, so we don't have a receptionist. Um, and little things like that uh, that seem weird or crazy or, you know, uh, anti, but we don't have to anti agent agency. I don't, you know, we do see, you know, we work with a lot of these companies that are either startups or are, you know, or get purchased by a WPP or, right. or whoever and get this huge influx of money. And the first thing they do is they start hiring people. Uh, and we're always like, what are they going to do with all those people? What are they going to do all day? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and and so it creates and it creates a different mindset internally. I think our culture, uh, you know, whatever that is, since we haven't given that a whole lot of extra thought either. You know, we don't do retreats. Uh, we don't do uh, group bonding exercises. Uh, but everyone from the founder to the intern sits at one big table, uh, which is still a luxury for us that you know we will outgrow. Um, but it does engender a certain mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, that we're all in this together and creating yep. these moments together and we all have a voice and we all have something to contribute yeah. and you know uh some of the best ideas you know come from the junior developer that's like oh you know it would be cool if we did yeah well uh, what's interesting about that is you say you don't do team building exercises or bonding exercise and whatever it's it's kind of interesting that you have this uh almost like an anti-agency model like you don't even yep. use the word agency a lot of times um but it's almost like you don't need that extra um uh external you know force of going and doing these things and creating these experiences for your team because every single day what you're working on automatically does that because of the way that you're sitting and the way that you're allowing everyone to have their voice and, and you don't have separate, you know, rooms for each. Oops, it's just, just interesting. Lost, yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's just interesting um, that you don't really need that, that external stuff because you kind of live that every day. So that's also uh, super intriguing to me. Um, so as we wrap up here, what's your uh, your bumper sticker takeaway for other agency leaders who are really struggling with or just trying to figure out like 
what is the, the market opportunity? What's next for our agency? How do we even figure out how to get there or what it is? Sure. Well, you know, one uh, constant uh, sort of refrain here and, and sort of a topic of a lot of discussion, both internally and with a lot of the other folks that I, I work with, is uh, internally we talk a lot about this, this notion of data versus delight. Um, and in the experiential world, especially, uh, where, you know, we are in a time where you can collect so much data, uh, and get so much, uh, you know, feedback and information and, uh, metrics and KPIs and all these numbers and, and data is really seductive and it feels like it's giving answers and solutions and, and all this great stuff. And you can point at it and say, see, uh, but uh, there's not enough focus on delight and experiential is delight. Like it's the experience right. and, and, you know, all the data in the world will never, you know, Disney didn't create his stories based on data. Uh, you know, and I think it's easy to get lost, uh, in all the data and, and letting data drive a lot of your thinking and a lot of your decisions and not trusting your own basic kind of gut humanity around uh, what do people want to experience? Right. Like you said before, um, uh, when we spoke earlier about the fact that you have to ask some of your own clients, like, would you actually enjoy that? Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to stand in line in the hot sun for your turn to do that? Right. And they'd be like, no, I would never do that. Right? Well, you're not different than your consumer we're all again it's back to like our trade show floor with, with the the doctors. the doctors there's just guys that go home at night and watch tv or play xbox or hang out with their kids or whatever like we're not just because you're on this side where you have access to all this data and all this information don't lose sight of the importance of delight yeah yeah that's uh that's my driver well i love it i think we should make uh delight versus data bumper stickers like tomorrow they'll probably be interactive and holograms and whatever if we let bravo do it but absolutely um awesome so thank you so much david this is a really great conversation i knew it would be and i uh, really appreciate you coming on the show today this episode has been brought to you by workamajig the number one creative agency management software show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.